Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley, and today my co-host Lance Hahn and I are joined by special guests Tammy Vallejo and Anita Hodges for a conversation about sexual harassment. Recent revelations of sexual misconduct by a wide range of public figures have given unprecedented attention to the problem of sexual harassment in workplaces, the media, the political arena, and even churches. Why is this sort of behavior so prevalent, and how can the church be part of the solution? These questions and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right, all right. Welcome to episode 15 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Like I said, I'm Brian Kiley, joined as always by my co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn. I'm the other deep voice. How are you? You are the other deep voice. We are in a recording studio this morning where it is approximately 45 degrees. We will not be aging (laughs) at all the entire broadcast. It's not that cold, but it sure feels like it. I know. I'm wearing a jacket for that very reason. Not to look cool, but simply so I don't die. Oh, there you go. (laughs) We are joined, like I said this morning, by, first of all, Tammy Vallejo. Tammy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm amazing. Thank you. All right. Good. Glad to have you with us. And uh, Anita Hodges. Anita, good morning. Good morning. Would love to have just each of you briefly share a little bit for our listeners about kind of who you are, what you do, um, and then how you got roped into this other than the personal recommendation of a mutual friend of ours. So uh, go ahead, uh, Tammy, we'll start with you. Yeah, so relevant to this conversation, my background in the corporate world is about 17 years in a corporate industry where I uh, had an opportunity to actually investigate quite a few of these types of cases internally for employers. But uh, more recently, I'm just a serial entrepreneur. I love changing the world for God's kingdom through business. And E49 and 210 Impact Hub are the two things that probably most people know about me at the moment. So, Awesome. Brilliant ministries, by yes. the way. We've engaged with them a bunch of different ways. Yes. Uh, including the King's Game where in the middle of it, I've embarrassed myself twice. So yes. praise the Lord. That was all thanks to Tammy. Yes. Because I do whatever Tammy tells me to do. <laughs> including... Th- shoot three-point shots very badly hey, in hey, front I of lots of people. That. Didn't it the other the guy other... have like a broken leg or something? Yeah, <laughs> so what? I will take advantage of the other person. You mean Pastor Dan Axtell, my pastor? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> pastor Dan was completely like wounded, and I took full advantage of that because if he was healthy, I would have been destroyed. Oh, but I ended man. up losing the next year to someone from Jesus Culture that made me feel embarrassed as well. Well... Glad you could have that experience. It's always about me. Always about you. Uh, Let's make it about anything else. Uh, Anita, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm feeling better about myself already because I know (laughs) that I can be embarrassed anytime soon and I can take advantage of weak and wounded people. So I'm feeling really good about myself. All right. So I am the owner and founder of Impact Coaching and Consulting. I do business and life coaching. And I've always been interested in women in leadership Mm -hmm. because there's so little of that right now and how to help women get to a a place where their voice can be heard more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, thank you that's, for that. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, great. Well, well, so thrilled to, to have you with us. Um, I know Lance and I have been looking forward to this conversation for a long time and, and really just grateful for to, to you all for coming out and being a part of it and, and so looking forward to, to hearing your insights. Uh, just by way of introduction, mo- mo- everybody is aware that uh, current events have brought just tremendous attention to the problem of, of sexual harassment. Uh, so many public figures have been implicated 
in sexual abuse scandals that it'd be impossible to name them all. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who just feels like every day when I pull up the news, it's kind of like, who's it going to be today? We've had figures such as Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K., Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, Garrison Keillor, uh, and Al Franken. They've all lost their announced plans to resign over sexual misconduct. We recently had a Senate race that was dramatically affected by numerous allegations of sexual misconduct by Roy Moore. We've had 19 women come forward and accuse the president of the United States States of sexual misconduct. And there have been innumerable stories of less famous government and business figures whose behavior has, has come to light recently. Uh, late night talk show hosts have had just a field day skewering, uh, skewering perpetrators and different people for this. There was, of course, Alyssa Milano started the hashtag MeToo movement, which really shed light on the breadth of the problem. And then Time Magazine named, quote, the silence breakers, the women behind that movement, as their person of the year. And and the list goes on. Bottom line, I, I don't know, certainly in my lifetime, that this issue has ever been given the attention it's getting now. So my first question for, for the two of you maybe Tammy, we'll start with you and then go to Anita, is it seems like we're in the midst of a significant cultural moment. Why do you think this is happening now? And is there reason to believe that real change is going to happen? Well, I'm going to make a bold statement and say I think it's a move of God. Yeah, Amen. I think it's time Amen. to sift and change. And I think that people have been holding this in for a really long time. And uh, as I'm watching it play out, I just, I'm excited for it. I know that seems weird. Uh, There's a lot of pain associated with it. Uh, There's a lot of background associated with it. But I think ultimately, God is exposing uh, what needs to be exposed. And now we're going to get an opportunity to respond. That's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Anita, how about you? Well, uh, there's no doubt that with the rise of social media and and everybody being able to have a voice, that this has contributed to it. notwithstanding a lot of the political things and the other motivations for mm-hmm. it, but it is a good thing that it's yeah. coming out right now. I have concerns about how a lot of times when it finally comes out, the pent-up anger, yep. pent-up frustration, things like that, radicalization of the situation sometimes mm-hmm. takes a, its toll on the actual content of what we're trying to talk about. But yeah, it's definitely needed to come out. I think that uh, sometimes when something comes out and becomes popular, people go, wow, this is a, you know, this is a weight. Things must be worse. And you go, oh, it was happening. We're just only talking about it now. Right. And so anytime there's a communication about it and bringing it to light, that's got to be a good thing. (laughs) Right. Because the pain was there. Now we get a chance to actually address it. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, you said you're you're excited about it, which I mean, you sort of said that it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting way to to phrase it. I think I know what you mean by that, but could you say a little bit more about that, Tammy? When you say you're excited, like what? And forgetting that you know, excitement is it is an interesting word to use here, but I think again, I know what you're saying. What is it exactly that you're excited about, or what is the potential that you see here? Well, I think first of all, healing. So, you know, for me personally, 20 years experience initially in the corporate world, and I've experienced this over and over and over and over again. And uh, it is pervasive in our society and in our culture. Mm -hmm. And so the first step to healing is being able to tell your story and say it out loud and have people actually acknowledge it. Because for years, people, even though there were laws around it, uh, women would say it out loud. They would go to their HR departments. They would say it to their pastors and their husbands and their, you know, and, but I think the brevity of it that's coming out now, uh, allowing people to see how big it is 
and then allowing a conversation to happen around it that's deeper and hopefully more action-oriented will cause healing. That's what I'm excited about. I almost, I almost wonder, I mean, I, I, as I've been thinking about this issue, I think about just the role of, of honestly just ignorance. People like me, ignorant of just of not really recognizing just how widespread this is, just how much of a daily reality this is for uh, for women uh, in particular. I mean, Saturday Night Live had a sketch a few weeks ago, sort of this like mock music video that they made of a bunch of women essentially saying, hey, welcome to our life. Like this is just what our oh, life our life yeah. is. Um, Anita, to what extent do you think that that just some some maybe ignorance on the part of again just being honest people like me like how much does that have to play into our inability to address the issue? You know, I was even shocked by I'm sorry to say this guys, but the ignorance of men around this as well because yeah. I had someone reach out to me um, who said that his wife was all about the Me Too movement and mm-hmm. he was telling her, oh, you're making a, a bunch and you know you're just this is you you're being kind of ridiculous and stuff like that. And then he reached out to me. He says, because I saw you on Facebook, you also said me too as well. I did a little mm-hmm. Facebook uh, live video on it. And he said, and when I saw you doing it, which is pathetic to think that he valued my opinion <laughs> over his wife's, right? But he says, is it really that bad? And I'm like, my gosh, this is the way we've been living all along. Yeah. 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 I, I think that um, because I have an unusual circumstance of how I grew up, I was always surrounded by women. So it's always been all my bosses were women, all my, you know, all my, you know, I had so many women friends and I was raised by my mom, a single mom, and my sister was my best friend. So this is not that surprising to me. So uh, unfortunately, it was not shocking to me. Yeah. Now, I want to just take a moment to to allow kind of each of you to share just your own personal stories, either with what you've experienced personally or what you've seen in terms of sexual harassment in either workplace or even church environments or just any other place where you've uh, you've encountered it. We just want to create spaces just to hear that as before we move further into the the conversation. So why don't Anita? We'll start with you, and then and then Tammy will go with you. No, I've seen it in the workplace for the most part. Mm-hmm. Is where I've experienced it as well. Um, I have not really experienced it so much as, as my superiors keeping me down. The other side of the coin is, though, is oftentimes I think a lot of times when women decide that they're not going to be a part of it, they actually go into entrepreneurship mm-hmm. to get out from underneath it. Yep. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I've experienced it very much so in the workplace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tammy, how about you? Yeah, well, I've experienced it in some very detailed ways, and I think it's important to say it, and I don't have a problem saying it, so I'm going to. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, yeah, by all means. I um, you know, started my career uh, pathway in uh, the insurance world, uh, and that world is very, frankly, male-dominated. Um, yep. I also ran special investigative units across the nation, so that is also very male-dominated. And uh, I didn't experience a lot of it until I reached levels of, uh, at the time, director and above, which used to mean something. Director, vice president, president used to be a level that you worked up through. And once I, you know, sort of pierced through those levels, um, the harassment became very, very uh, power-oriented uh, and regular. Uh, it happened multiple times. Uh, I'm not talking about, and this is sad that I'm saying this, I'm not talking about words. Women, I think, have don't even call that harassment anymore because we're so used to it. That's sort of a, a level down here. I'm talking about pushing to a level of, of touching and 
grabbing and attempted assault and assault. Uh, and then I think it does go further than that. I think it, you know, permeates into our world in areas of sex trafficking and the sex trade and um, sexual molestation and things like that. So anyway, I've experienced multiple times and uh, it was reported every time. Uh, I've investigated multiple cases of women who have experienced this and they reported it. And the fact of the matter is that it mostly went on deaf ears. Yes. And good for you, Tammy, that you reported it, because honestly, where it's been in my life when it's happened, I've just gone like, well, that's the way of the world and moved right on. Just letting it be because it's so pervasive. Right. Why is it why is it not taken seriously or at least as seriously as it should be when it's reported to either of you? I mean, yeah, sadly, there's any number of reasons. But but I think, again, I think it's important to address that uh, in the context of the conversation. I think there's a power culture Mm -hmm. uh, is one of those reasons. I think that it is the same. I shouldn't say the same, but a similar conversation we might have with people of color um, who are being uh, in situations where a person in power is, is, um, you know, in leadership. I think that's one of them. I think some of it is that with in business, especially when money is the object and money is the reason we're there, uh, that it becomes a cursory, let's just mitigate damage. Uh, mm-hmm. How do we make sure we don't lose revenue over it? How do we make sure we don't lose employees over it? And it just becomes a, you know, a, a process you go through rather than being about a person. Well, and then when you think about the fact that I think a lot of times the sexual harassment is about power, especially at those higher levels. It's really not about sexuality so much as it is about power. Mm -hmm. And so if a woman gets that from someone who is above her and then she goes to report it, number one, she's rarely believed. Correct. And even if she is believed, then you get this this stigma of being somebody who just makes a mountain out of a molehill. You're a right. troublemaker. You have no sense of humor. You, you know, you can't get along. You can't play well with others in the sandbox. And so really, that's why I think a lot of times we don't see women in higher places in um, leadership in business because it gets to that point. We either we either walk away from a job or we get um, we get a, a reputation and so it is really we're in a tough spot in that place. Yeah, and that's just, I, I think that's that's the part of this that I, I I just it it's so sickening to me that that dynamic exists where a a person can be made physically uncomfortable uh, to have uh, inappropriate physical things happen to be to be the butt of jokes that aren't just simple teasing about whatever but are 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 derogatory remarks made you know about a person in it just in an inappropriate way regarding their appearance or, or whatever the case may be and that and that those who are the victims of that have to then live in fear yeah. of the repercussions and sadly the perpetrators more often than not at least up to this point don't because of those power dynamics at play, kind of the idea of if you've got the power, then you just are held to a different behavioral standard than everyone else. And I just think that's incredibly destructive in a number of ways, not just in the area of, of harassment or sexual harassment, but just in the way you treat people. <laughs> it's just no way to no way to live your life or no. Let me let me add a, a, a layer of complexity to this. So I was newly married. I uh, don't know how many years, and I was just doing side 
gigs. I also went through the insurance industry uh, <laughs> early on, and so I'm very clear on how male-dominated it is. But all my bosses were women because I wasn't very high up. So <laughs> just trying to say. Um, but I w did a side gig for, as promotions for a radio station. And so we went out to, and I only did this a couple times, we went out to a club and the idea was to be in a dance club and just to hand out promotions and do stuff like that. And my, my uh, promotions boss was a woman. And she came to me, uh, we were all standing around talking, and she said, um, I'll just jump to the, the punchline. She, um, she came to me and she said, uh, hey, why don't you do this for me or whatever? And I, and I said some joke to her or whatever. And she goes, well, at some point, why don't you just take off your clothes and we can figure it out? Now, oh, how'd that feel? Um, well, th so that's the complexity yeah. because, in one sense, she had the power of she can choose to hire me back or not hire me back. Yep. So she had the power structure, but there's a different nuance. I'm a six three male, exactly, and there's there's levels of this I had that did not touch me. And that's the part I think that sometimes men have a hard time attaching to because behind her was not a massive structure that was that was pressing down on me. I was not a woman. I did not have that huge systematic or systemic problem battling me. Second of all, even though she could fire me, I did not feel physically intimidated by her. And so, yes, was it technically sexual harassment? Yes. Was it the same? I don't think so. I think that there's whole layers I was not a part of. So just just simply saying, how did it feel? Well, obviously, it was very awkward, and we can all talk about the whole, wow, that was kind of weird. And, you know, um, and was it right? No, it was wrong. But still, it's not in the same level and the same type as what we're dealing with here. In some ways, it is, but in some ways, it's not. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, any comments on, on that? Or? Well, yeah, in yeah. the sense that it happened to you and you knew that she could fire you, but you also didn't have that sensation that if I go anywhere else, this is going to happen to me again That's and right. again and yeah. again. Correct. That's it's right. A, it's a singled out experience. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Well yeah, said. Which makes it. Much, much, much different. Now, sp speaking more uh, kind of generally about uh, about the the problem, kind of big picture. What are some ways that uh, that issues of sexual harassment and misconduct can be handled poorly by by churches or organizations? And I guess what I'm getting at in this question is not things like. Well, ignore victims and shame them. Like not real overt stuff like that. I guess what I'm more talking about is what are ways that that churches and organizations can just kind of have in their culture patterns that are unhealthy, even if they're not necessarily overtly bigoted or sexist or, or things like that. It's even worse. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have. Oh, go ahead. It's go ahead. even worse sometimes when it's not overt. Yes. Because you, you, it's like you can't put your hands on it. Yeah. You can't get your fingers around it. When yeah. somebody's saying, well, you know, perhaps you were having a bad day, you know, where the implications are, it's, you know, maybe it was that time of the month and you mm -hmm. overreacted, things like that. Mm -hmm. That stuff happens in the church all the time. Yeah. And once there's even just that tiniest bit of play in there, you've, your opinion no longer really matters. Mm. I think yeah. the biggest example recently, uh, some of the responses I saw online were, well, it's just an allegation. Right. 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 And- you immediately are dismissing whether or not it's factual. 
Um, I think things like, what are you wearing? You know, what were you wearing? What did you say that caused them to do that? There's that whole blame thing that goes on um, mm-hmm. towards the woman. The, the, guy is, the guy is right automatically, but there's a seed of doubt when it comes from the woman's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that, that part of that, that that's really, really frustrating for me is this burden of proof. And you don't have proof when it's when it's a when it's a a verbal. It's a there's a way to control a room with even mm-hmm. without physically touching someone. There's a dominance you can do. There's a there's an abuse you can create without there being residue of proof. And so the woman feels completely ill-equipped. To, if somebody goes, well, what proof do you have? What are you supposed to say? I don't have any unless there was a camera. In the room, which it almost feels like, you know, police have body cameras nowadays. I feel like just as a woman, I wouldn't want to walk around with like a body camera, a big old huge helmet, you know, that just kind of films everybody. And I'm like, look, see, that guy's an idiot. Look, I can tell you, you know. That's probably not realistic, great, great, guys. Great, Sorry. Idea. great idea, Lance. I think, yeah. I think we've accomplished what we came here to do. So. I, too, am an entrepreneur. Uh, there we go. So. Um, why is it? Because... Uh, I've I've seen that you know plenty of times, kind of what you were you were alluding to, Tammy. The idea of um, just instantly going to what did the woman do to 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 bring that on, or you know whatever the case may be. Why do we so quickly go that direction? Uh, I don't feel like we do that. Like, what did the shopkeeper do to encourage theft? Like, we just like we don't. I don't, at least that's not the first place we go. I mean, maybe eventually we say, okay, shopkeeper, let's look at some things we can do to avoid theft. But we don't. We're not looking to exonerate the thief. Based on what, and, and forgive me, this is a poor analogy, but why do we go so quickly to, well, what did she do? As opposed to going to, hey, somebody has done something awful here and it's not the woman. <laughs> yeah, wh- Why do we do that? Well, I'm just going to go there for a moment. I personally have experienced um, the church creates culture. I think that sometimes we believe in the church that the world is out there and they're creating their own culture. I would argue that we're creating it, that if people are created in God's image, they want to be like God Mm -hmm. and they want to do what they're supposed to do, whether they're a Christian or not. That's what I'm witnessing uh, in the area that I work in. And so I think that Eve and Adam and how Mm -hmm. we tell that story does matter. I think it does permeate our culture, whether we believe it or not. Yeah, and I, I do think that's one of the foundational reasons people go there. So say more about that for our listeners who might not be be tracking on exactly what you're saying. How do we tell that story in a way that furthers this sort of narrative? Because it's a mistelling of the story, but it's pervasive, Correct. so it's important to talk about. Yeah, Eve screwed it up, basically. Yeah, you know, Adam wasn't playing a part in it at all, and that Eve ate the apple and it was her fault. She screwed it up. And Eve is the reason that we as women continue to have to live the way we live. Therefore, all women are the source of all problems. That's right. right. Lance, correct that for us. What is a more appropriate reading of (laughs) the Adam and Eve story? I know that Tammy could do it, but I just, you know, just trying to get everyone involved here. What is a way, And because here's the implications of it. Obviously, as Tammy's alluded to, we tell that story, we tell that story wrongly, and then we extrapolate on top of that all these just insane conclusions that, that have massive implications that are, that are, 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 if not universally, very close to universally negative. 
how can we understand that story more accurately in a way that doesn't lead us down these these sexist and, and inappropriate paths? Yeah, I... So first of all, um, it, there's so many different levels of the story that I've talked about throughout the years. And and one of them is that a, a lot of it is not said. So, for example, when the Hebrews read Genesis, they would they would all have a prior knowledge. So we try to look into the Bible and say everything's in there. It's not. And so everyone now extrapolates their own viewpoint, right? So then people are like, well, that's why. Like, for example, it says... And she gave fruit to her husband who was with her, and he ate of it. Well, you don't know if it means that he was right there the whole time or he was in the garden with her. Like, so we all start making up our own stories. But one of the things that has been intriguing to me, because of all the language that's behind it about how woman is created, it's a different word for her being formed than man being formed. Uh, because of that, I personally believe um, that that Eve was the center of wisdom in that environment, in that couple. And the reason why Satan went after her is that if he can go after her and take her down, she a lot of times is a brains of an operation. And so if she, if he can nail her, then she can convince uh, this other, he'll follow along. And so it's a very, it's a complete flip on how a lot of people see it as it was all male dominated and then she was the weak one. And, but, but the bottom line is that she was going up against an evil genius. She was never going to win that debate. Uh, you got Satan, you got Lucifer himself, who is the, he was called the pinnacle of creation. So it doesn't matter what human being was going to go up head to head with this guy. He was going to win because the only answer that would ever get them out of that trouble was obedience to the voice of the Father. It's why Jesus, in the temptation of the desert, he didn't reason with him. He didn't try to figure it out. He didn't do anything else. He said, my dad said no, so I'm out. That's what Eve and Adam, because they both had equal partnership in this, God gave them instructions. They were supposed to, both of them, drop the ball. But the idea was they were supposed to go, my dad said no. I can't really argue with you about it. I can't really. I mean, you're right. You probably have a lot of good points, <laughs> but I can't debate this with you. I don't have that ability, but my dad said no, so I can't do that. So in this, um, like, for example, if you look at the Old Testament, the reason why I tie all this in and then I'll get off my little soapbox <laughs> is that in ancient Hebrew uh, writings, wisdom is feminine. Right. It's so if you want to go back through, it says wisdom calls out in the streets and it's always feminine mentioned. And so that's why I put a lot of these pieces together. So I think that the garden was very, very different than how we most assume. And I would also suggest that just with that one story is a piece of it. And like we are talking about, wisdom is thought of as a woman. She yeah. calls out in the street and yet yeah. there's that's forgotten oftentimes or that the bride of Christ is female. Yep. And but we look at, you know, there's a lot of references to temptresses and and people bringing mankind down and it's the female. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times and I can boy, this happened in my family mm -hmm. um, as well where the woman is thought that if you have been um if you've been accosted sexually in any sort of way, it was because you were the temptress and you were doing something wrong. Right. 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 Well, and it's just like in the Adam and Eve story. It's just it's it, it is it is ridiculous to think that Adam is just living his life, making great decisions. And then Eve comes along and and, and, and knocks him off course. I mean, 
as Lance has alluded to, that's just plainly false. Uh, Similarly, the narrative of, well, if women would just behave in a certain way, then men would not behave badly. I mean, no. It's not just our culture. I mean, look at the Muslim (laughs) culture and what they do to women and the burqas and all of that stuff. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let me just highlight one more thing on this. Uh, Some people listening may go, that's just one story. But if you go all the way back even to Paul's teachings... He refers back to the Adam and Eve story, and so it's actually laced throughout the entire culture. How you view that story Mm. actually has massive ramifications in all areas of the Bible. So I just want to highlight how significant that was. So, Tammy, when you were bringing it out, that's why you brought it out. It's that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about this issue of of power, Not, not so much workplace dynamic power necessarily. But but as I've been reading the news, especially as I've been seeing the reactions people have to different individuals who get implicated in this and how oftentimes people's reactions uh, vary significantly, not based on the severity of the offense, but based on, well, do I like that person or not? Um, How does power, both a desire for power and then sort of a, for lack of a better word, a deification of those in power, how do those things prevent us from taking sexual harassment seriously? So the idea then, if if I'm well-liked, mm-hmm. if I'm a male and I'm well-liked and somebody comes up to me, then if somebody accuses me, then I'm very unlikely to have that stick. Whereas if I'm not well-liked, frankly, I think that that's just a matter of power, whether it's female or male. Right. If If someone's being taken down from this simply mm-hmm. because they're not liked, then everybody's going to jump on that one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, That's all that's I've got to say on that. That's probably true. Tammy, any thoughts on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think that, that they're... Uh, p- part of the challenge that that I think that that victims have, and I'm speaking from somewhat of a place of ignorance because I myself have never been a victim, but I think part of the challenge victims have is is if I if I am treated inappropriately by a well liked person, whether that is a business leader or a celebrity or a pastor or a a political official, then the people, say, who uh, attend the church or the people who are a member of that person's political party or the people who love that person's product or their comedy routine or whatever the case may be, they're not going to believe me. And I think that that is incumbent upon us as the public to, first of all, recognize our own willingness to sort of look past sexual harassment if it is going to paint somebody that we kind of we want them in power or we really like what they've done, we're, we're going to be more inclined to ignore that stuff if it's going to affect somebody that we think is really great. And, and to me, that again, that that's a problem, especially if you're a real honest victim. That creates structures that make it really difficult to be heard. Well, I think that's the whole reason why things washed out the way they did. Uh, Harvey Weinstein is not... A liked figure. No, he's the not. bottom line. No one came out and was like, "Dang, that's an awesome dude." That never happened, and that's why it stuck. I think these allegations have been constantly spoken of over and over and over again. Um, you don't lead with Kevin Spacey. You don't lead with Donald Trump. You don't lead with figures that um, are a bit more uh, liked by certain populations, right? You don't lead with. Um, 
you know, any, oh, well, I don't want to start throwing out names that are not as happy. <laughs> All right, almost got myself in like trouble. Dang it. Breaking um, news reported yeah. by Lance Hong. Um, but I, so I do believe this is the reason why it began to take off practically, is because we had a figure that everyone was sick and tired of, and he had no redeeming qualities. And so everyone was like, okay, we're done. Well, then once that ball got started, now some shiny guys got drug in you don't lead with matt lauer matt lauer has to be brought in as a secondary portion of the conversation because he was liked more initially it's an interesting thought yeah no that is that is but i think that's i think there's some truth to that 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 openness to more likable figures probably did Increase because, yeah, people who had less of positive, uh, you know, positive affiliation would, um, you know, were, were, were noted first. Now, um, we've talked a little bit about how some poor theology and a poor understanding of the Adam and Eve story can, can, can affect the way we view this issue. Um, not long after hashtag me too came out, uh, there was hashtag church too as well. People detailing, um, really horrific accounts of, uh, sexual harassment, even sexual abuse that they, uh, experienced in, in a church setting. It's a very real issue. Um, in what ways can churches uh, inadvertently create cultures where sexual harassment is not taken seriously. Well, I'll take that one on. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, Let's first of all, uh, the biggest one that I see is this whole idea of we'll handle it in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a real thing. It's it a real thing. As a former investigator and uh, understanding what that world looks like, I will tell you that about 97% of cases against churches and pastors do not ever go to court. And the reason why is because people are fearful of taking those uh, to the next step. And so, unfortunately, I think there is this uh, idea of grace that steps in. Well, let's have grace on him. And the woman is supposed to go along with that, mm-hmm. and she does. And I think what no what what like what usually happens is that the female doesn't get an opportunity to be heard. And I don't think people really understand the long term ramifications for her in protecting and handling in the church the aggression by the by the guy. And so it becomes a soul wound. It becomes something that never goes away for the woman because her own church now has basically rejected her in that. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again. I hate to say it, but I could name, which I won't, uh, multiple uh, folks in the church right now in our ministry who, who have come to us over and over and over again uh, in regards to things that have occurred. Mm-hmm. And they uh, are still being protected inside of their churches because they're going to handle it. it. And if it's that pervasive, it makes me ask the question, is it being is handled code for ignored? Yes, yes. it is. Absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or dismissed. Right. 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 Because sometimes if it's not ignored but it's dismissed, you know, the idea that the woman is 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 all about hysteria, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what we get a lot is if we say something to somebody and we say this hurt, this is this is not good, right. then it's the idea that well, you know, you're a little hysterical yeah. right now, so we can't take you as as seriously as we might take the man. Right. Right. That's, I mean, and that's, I think that, that even gets into the whole subject of kind of microaggression and the mm-hmm. vocabulary we yeah. use that if a, if a male is forceful, he's a strong leader. If a female is forceful, there are different words that are used. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, really? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a male 
bring something to light. Maybe he's a whistleblower. He's a hero. And, and thankfully, I think this movement is starting to change that a little bit on the female end. But but you're certainly right that that has largely been thought of as, oh, she's hysterical. She's, you know, this and that. Now, the answer to this question is maybe obvious, but I want to sort of get it on the record, so to speak, just so we can address it <laughs> clearly. <laughs> instead of Instead of just handling it, like you say, what can churches do to, to be better about this and to take it seriously? Either of you. I think you can have grace and truth together. Yeah. I think you can have grace for the person and for the people, and you can process what's happening in the church. I think that's a good thing, but that should not replace turning the individual in or mm-hmm. reporting it to the proper authorities mm-hmm. or allowing for the woman to uh, have a criminal case if that's what occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing just to highlight out, when we were doing some prep for this, Pastor Brian, you um, fired out a bunch of different resources. And one mm-hmm. of them was a Facebook post by Jen Hatmaker. And what she talked about is forgiveness, that under the term forgiveness mm-hmm. means sweeping it under the rug. And so just from a pastor's perspective, I want to be real clear on what forgiveness means. Uh, forgiveness does not mean becoming a doormat. Forgiveness does not mean a removal of boundaries. Forgiveness does not mean removal of accountability. That you can hold someone accountable and go through the proper processes and forgive. So this whole idea that, oh, you know, because that becomes another spiritual abuse. If somebody starts saying, I'm going to quiet you by using biblical language, because I'm really trying to get to something else, but I can use certain scriptures out of context to be able to shun you or push you down. And one of those is things like uh, forgiveness, right? Well, you yeah. should just have grace. You should just forgive. You know what? Everybody has some challenges, right? right? You know, these types of things. Right. And I will tell you, I've been part of some mediations in the church where there are processes in place where the word forgiveness actually means, okay, we're done. Let's move on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's that's that is to me that is a that is to 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 define it in that way is to do violence on the term and the concept because that's not what it's meant to be at all and if if anything that completely hijacks what forgiveness in my opinion, is meant to accomplish, which is ultimately some measure of restoration for the victim and the perpetrator. But you can't have forgiveness if you're merely going to victims and saying, "Hey, we're you know you don't usually use this language, but hey, we're not going to do anything about the perpetrator, but you just feel better." And we're not going to do anything about the perpetrator because we're going to tell you we're going to spiritualize this right. and tell you that you're not a good right. Christian if you don't. Yeah, yeah, that is blasphemy. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just just Go addressing ahead. some of the articles that you gave. We we had two articles that really gave some practical tips yeah. on what church can do. Just highlighting those out. We had we had an article from the Missio Alliance and an article from Sojourners. Mm-hmm. And the Missio Alliance article said that the four things they think church should do is accept and believe the magnitude of the problem, preach, teach, and talk regularly about it, set clear guidelines and provide safe channels of communication, and invite those who are ready to share their stories and be healed. That was the the Missio mm-hmm. Alliance. The other one on Sojourners was address sexual violence to the church regularly, which means age appropriately. Remember, it was talking about even for the younger ages, you would talk about treating girls as equals, respecting personal boundaries. You know, you don't have to go all crazy and uh, um, age inappropriate, right? Number two was don't uh, neglect sexual violent Bible passages. You forget a lot of this is in there. Right. I mean, the Bible is not quite always safe for the whole family. 
right? No. Uh, there's some pretty brutal stuff in there, and God addresses it. Uh, number three, bring women into upper levels of leadership in the church. And then that was a sojourner. And then number four, don't be parties to help keep it quiet. So mm-hmm. just as a side note, those were some things that were brought up. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think speaks to some of what, what the two of you are describing and that kind of the idea of, of churches being co-conspirators in the sense of, of keeping it silent. Uh, no, we can't, we can't do that. I mean, Jen Hatmaker addresses that in her Facebook post, um, and, and to spiritualize things in a way that leads to silence and allows evil to, to continue um, is just wrong. And when that's done in the name of Jesus, again, like it's a strong word, but I don't think it's too strong. It's blasphemous. It is, it is, it is bringing reproach upon the church and more importantly, reproach upon the name of Jesus, which has just devastating consequences, right? So. When I was reading those articles, some of the things, if if you'll forgive me for no, saying this, um, that I read about what can the church do just uh-huh. really felt kind of weak. Mm-hmm. Empty? Empty Agreed. and weak. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you, yeah. Kim. <laughs> All right. Because she's the other woman. There you okay. go. Um, the, the part about having women in more leadership positions, I think, really does help. Because here's mm-hmm. the thing that I look at when I talk about with women in leadership to mm-hmm. other women, I'll talk about the fact that like 14% of all really powerful positions in the world, between uh, 14 and 18%, if you look at it, um, are, are only being held by women. What's yeah. people in politics, CEOs, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's evil that men are the other 84 to whatever percentage, but it's simply that the female voice is just not where leadership hears it. There, right. is, there is such a, an inequality of just the perspective. Yeah. And so, you know, churches have had issues about having women in leadership, and I'm hoping that some of that will change because yeah. it really needs to—we need to have that voice. Right, and I think the ramifications from that are that that means what percentage of the wealth in our country, even in the world, is in the hands of a man. Mm-hmm. So when we're trying to take care of our communities and take care of our children— we are still having to go to someone who owns the money yeah. to be able to do that. So the ramifications in our culture are much deeper than just put somebody in a token position. Oh, yeah. Right. If it's not authentic, it's not that that's not going to do the trick. Right. If there's not real power, real influence, real authority, then it is. It's just it's a token position, which yeah. is worthless, whether we're talking about gender or race or, or anything else. And um and you know, for what it's worth, as a male, <laughs> I mean, I completely agree. I don't think this problem is going to be solved in the church world until the church has a serious reckoning with the question of women in leadership. Right. Um, and and to me, I almost like that conversation to me is so important. But it's also, to be honest with you, it's a little bit uncomfortable for me only because, and hear me out. No, I'm, just, I'm just looking at you. <laughs> only because, to me, the fact that the conversation is even necessary. Yeah, can you imagine that? But you know how you asked at the beginning of the interview, can, do you believe that change can truly happen? And I, I do, um, because if you look back... Tammy, you alluded to this um, earlier. This is not unlike when when blacks were having to be given uh, the where we had to have the the conversation. Are they right. actually humans like us, right? right? Or women's suffragists? Do they get to vote? Things like that. And we've made progress. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that there's there's um, hope for this. I just also think there's going to be a backlash for a yeah. while. 
Yeah. Now, now say more about that. What the backlash you're referring to? What do you what what are you fearful of in that regard? Well, when you look, you know, even Martin Luther was looked at as a radical when mm-hmm. when he nailed the oh, very much so, right yeah. all of that. So right now we have a lot of women who are speaking up who are angry, and I mean mm-hmm. really angry, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It does not bode well for the fact, and this is something that I am concerned about, is what will, how will men now react? When Will they be absolutely scared to death to do anything, right? Mm. Um, not all of this is going to be fixed by laws, right? Right. But we're probably, we're probably going to have it for a while where it's going to, the pendulum's going to swing the wrong way for a bit. Mm-hmm. It's going to go too far. Ang- I mean, that sort of anger, I mean, I think you're right. It can cause things to get a little bit out of, out of mm-hmm. balance. It's funny. I was, I was talking to actually one of our, our, our colleagues right before we came in here who is a, who is a female, and I, I, was, I was kind of articulating a similar idea of, okay, I, I want even us on this podcast or us as a church, I want us to be able to speak prophetically into this issue. I want to speak God's truth into the into the issue. And I feel that way about a number of, of social causes. And I wrestle with how do you speak prophetically without going into speaking in a way that is fueled by anger, or at least where anger is interpreted to the point where instead of inspiring soul searching, inspiring compassion, inspiring a desire to rethink the way that I view the world, it just creates backlash and anger. And that's that's hard, especially when it's when it's just, I mean, how much more emotionally charged can you get than than what we're talking about today? Right? Yeah, I mean I do think we need to give some women a moment to be angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, frankly. Uh, that is part of the process. Yeah. Um and I think there's gonna be a season of that. Uh, but, you know, if we're going to speak prophetically, I really believe that what God's doing here is bringing together men and women in a balance the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. If we react to this the same way we did in the early 70s and it becomes about women overpowering men, then we're going to have the same issue on the male side, you right. know, in five to 10 years. And that's really not God's kingdom view. So I really believe that as we start to come together, there is a place for Christian women to be able to speak this through a biblical um, perspective in yep. the balance of the kingdom. Amen. Absolutely. Tammy, you shared with us a um, an, an article that, that you wrote detailing some of your experience, and then you listed at the end of it— uh, just a number of a number of ways, kind of. This is what healing can look like. This is how we can move forward. And I want to talk about a few of these uh, different items that you listed. This was a uh, just a fantastic list, and um, one of them that you wrote. I'm I'm just so interested in hearing you say more about was. Uh, and then Anita would would absolutely love for you to weigh in as well. You said that men need to adjust to a world where they're mutually respected for who God made them to be, and that our men are suffering an identity crisis as well. Um, I agree. I want to hear you say more about that, just to kind of unpack that. What is the identity crisis you're referring to, and and kind of what does it look like to to make the adjustments you're talking about? Yeah, I think in general we have put both men and women in a box, mm-hmm. and God's mm-hmm. box is not that small. Yeah. We are all different. Uh, we are, There's diversity in both male and female. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have said men have to be strong warriors. They got to be the lead of the family. They have to be the ones making the money. If they're not, they're failing. They've got to be the CEO. Uh, I work with lots of guys who are COOs and they hang their heads 
all the time in shame because they've been shamed that they're not good enough. Hmm. Uh, I think that we have to reposition both sides of this. We've gotten into a system that we have both created, frankly. Uh, Hmm. We haven't talked about the woman side of this uh, in regards to how we created part of this ourselves. I know that probably won't be heard very well, uh, but I did investigate a lot of these cases and there are there is legitimacy to trying to move up the ladder by making things happen mm-hmm. with your sexuality too. That's a that's a, another podcast probably. Um, but I do think that there's a balance and, and men have been caught up in this as well. And so elevating our men who are more quiet, who are more, um, you know, artist, uh, and giving them a place in, in our world as well, I think is going to be part of this process or needs to be. Yeah, that's good. Anita, any thoughts? Yeah. I, let me just go ahead. I mean, if, if you're going to get thrown, if you're throwing yourself under the bus, I'm going to throw myself under the bus and the two of us can just <laughs> lie there and get there. over together. Good job, Anita. All right, right, way to go. Right. Okay. But in some ways we have perpetrated mm-hmm. this and especially within the church mm-hmm. because we continue to, um, Present the female as being this, like, a glorified teenager, right? Mm. Um, a lot of times if I try to go to women's uh, stuff at church, I'm like, I don't want to do decoupage. I don't, <laughs> that's not interesting to me, right? And, and but, but uh, you know, or, or only talking about, like, um, mops and things like that, where the woman is only seen as either this cute little thing that makes the home or... Or the mother, and we're not seen as something beyond that. And there are mm-hmm. definitely differences in male female how we do it. There, there's some of the reasons that women are not in leadership have to do with their choice for family over mm-hmm. work. I get that, but we've got to start looking at, and even the women in the church need to start rec- recognizing other women as being intelligent mm-hmm. with something to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I would say I get as many comments from women calling me some of those same names that the guys do as mm. I do men. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So when we speak like a man speaks, especially in business and, le- and in leadership, uh, just as many women think the same way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh, wow. Lance, I know something, you've done a lot of study and, and, and research into just the, kind of the idea of of sort of these gender stereotypes, for lack of a better term, to kind of allude to what you're referring to, uh, Anita. And I even I even know, for what it's worth, I mean, I've even seen the way that we've advertised uh, men's ministry things before, and there's lots of sort of explosions and all this other stuff. And I'm kind of like, like, okay, if you're into that, fine but like i'm a man and i'm really not like all of this like war and fighting no like that doesn't really do it for like there's complexity to what it means to be a a man much like i think you it's and again if someone's into that stuff that's fine much like i would i would imagine what i want to make sure i'm representing what you said properly anita um for women who are into kind of these types of environments, that's wonderful. We just need to recognize that's not all there is. Right. Is that exactly? Yes. So, Lance, can you speak to that a little bit? Because because I know I've heard you talk before about just sort of recognizing diversity within gender in terms of realizing that not all men are the same and not all women are the same, and you can have a range of interests and still be feminine and still be masculine, and that can look different. Yeah, that's actually it's a big deal to me. Um, which, by the way, thanks for inviting me, Brian, for decoupage later. Hey, that was super cool it. of you. you I mean, appreciate we'll that. do it. It'll hey, be send fun. Me a postcard. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> my my thoughts on this issue is that it is causing havoc. It it always has. It's being recognized a little bit more. 
it's wrecking havoc in a bunch of different areas. One of those areas is the the gender discussion, which is be you know male and female. The other one has to be in the LGBT discussions, um, because when we so narrowly define and stereotypically define male and female, what we're doing is we're forcing people out of categories, right. and so. If you are not a male that w- that likes explosions and works on cars and everything else, you may well be a different gender. And and that type of pressuring, as much as somebody won't say overtly that's what they mean, that's exactly what they're saying. And And nowadays, for a long time, people just lived in frustration. Nowadays, there are categories that are opening up that have a cool factor to them where people are running to because they've been shamed in the category they're at. So if you're a male and you don't act male, there are now new places that you can go. My problem is, is I don't think that's at all what God intended. I think that God is saying, listen, you don't understand my creativity. My creativity is brilliant. So if I'm going to create female, I'm going to pour myself out, the female of me, I'm going to pour out into women. I'm going to do so in such a beautifully creative, vast, different way some women are going to be like, you know what? Uh, I want to be a Navy SEAL. Personally, I would rather just be out in the field and I want to go take care of business in that way. And then you have extraordinary nurturing capabilities of saying, I, I like babies and I'm not going to apologize for that. Right. Quite frankly, I'm really good at my job. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to have any healthy kids in this world, <laughs> I'm probably going to be at the helm. <laughs> and then you have ladies that... Um, that are saying, you know what, I, I'm much more into uh, intellectual pieces and I want to go this direction. The bottom line is it's vast. The same thing happens with men is that why can't somebody who maybe isn't is a little bit more effeminate in how they operate and things like that, why is that not still male? We call it effeminate as if it's female, but what if the affections are not negative they are simply a part of design Mm -hmm. and so anyway i i'm really big on that so i'll stop talking now it's quiet yeah any thoughts on that i like that you know and i feel kind of bad because i've never really thought about it that much with men i know i think about it all the time as a woman because i represent a really small percentage of the population of women that you know get out and say i want to i want to be in business i want to do this i want to do that i don't represent a high part of the population for females. So never really thought about it with men either. I've watched this in the high school setting. My husband's a high school teacher where kids in high school now are choosing, they are choosing absolutely uh, where they're going to be based on their identity uh, because they cannot relate to the label that has been given to them. Yes. And so now you drop in, you were talking about pendulum swings. Mm -hmm. The church is a super weird place because in one sense, it's male dominated. And so we were talking about some of the things women are thought of as weak and not critical thinkers and women are emotional and exaggerate and and father God is male and Jesus is male. So male's the only legitimate way and men are better leaders and stronger in character, right? So in one sense, the church is totally distorted on that side, but yet there is a feminization of the church that swung the other side, which is it actually does not lean into, it leans far better into traditional women categories. For example, we're taught to, in the church, talk about our feelings. Actually, women, uh, as they're raised, uh, little girls will tend to communicate slightly better than little boys. 
Well, then they're way ahead of the game. So the minute they step into the church, they're like, boom, let's go. You know, like, I have no problem talking about this. I know how I'm doing. And guys are way behind. Then you're talking about reading the Bible. Stereotypically, women read more than men read. So a lot of the church actually, even in popular culture, some beautiful things happened where everyone was like, well, men are for business. And they created a lonely hierarchy structure. And all of a sudden, women got in the workforce and created this coffee shop backlash of going, whatever happened to a round table, folks? Hey, shouldn't we all talk about this? Now, which was healthier? I think both are healthy, but we were way too off on one side. The church does the same thing. Yeah, we love our pendulums. <laughs> it's very strange, but uh, but it makes it hard to find healthy balance in a lot of these issues because kind of reaction and overreaction and, and all of that um, – it gets us into trouble. We are, we're coming up on, on, on the end here and I've got like 18 more questions I want to ask you ladies. So we're not going to get to all no, of that them, was quick but uh, I know, but, 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 but you, you, you said something and you agreed a minute ago and I want to, I want to return to it cause I don't want to, I want to, don't want to um, just go buy it. And that is, you were saying how we had, we had read a few articles talking about how the church can respond and that you found kind of what was, what was offered in those articles to be, to be insufficient, to be, to be yeah. weak. This is such a critical issue. Uh, weak is not good enough, right? No, so how not. can, so how, so I want to hear from, from you, how can the church be better? What are some practical steps, uh, we can, that local churches can take to addressing this issue sufficiently, um, so that, I mean, well, anyways, just so we can we can eradicate it, frankly, from our from our church cultures. Um, would love to hear from either of you or both of you. I mean, I think one practical way would how about spend the next forty days talking about the women in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Just a greater greater attention, right, to women in the Bible. Um, I yeah. think some things like having a conversation discussion, like Lance has led time, you know, several times with different issues. So that women can speak to it. But ultimately, it's got to be about action. If mm-hmm. it's all rhetoric and it's all conversation and then nothing happens from it and nothing mm-hmm. changes, then it really doesn't accomplish. It's shallow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's a box that you can check that's going to make this get no, fixed, right? Yeah. Um, the the idea of talking about the women in the Bible. Okay, here I go again, man. Maybe I'm going to edit this out, baby. Um, but you know how you go to the women's Bible studies, and oh, it's going to be about Ruth, or it's going to be about you know. And so, so can we have yeah. one about Deborah, please? Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know? We love Let's Deborah. Do what, it. What's the name of that gal? She that was hardcore. Drove us. JL. Like, yeah, JL. Man, she was awesome. Yeah. Can we have some of that where it shows women in a position of? Leadership, and this is not about dominance. It's just showing that the woman has a sense of, of logic and power yeah. and leadership mm-hmm. capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to. I think the biggest thing, and again, this is not you because you can't check this box, yeah. is for women to be believed mm-hmm. and for women to to be um, recognized that abuse is not just yeah. physical. Yeah. You know, it, it is the psychological abuse that happens through the physicality or whatever, but women are going to need to start being believed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I appreciate what you said about how this is, this is not a, a box to check. This is yeah. not an item on a list. This isn't a, well, let's solve this problem so we can move on. This, like so many other issues, this is a culture shift. This is. is a a mentality change for men and for women. And I, I mean, I appreciate what you said about women need to be believed. They need to be empowered to believe when they tell mm-hmm. their stories, they're going to, they're going to be heard. And then men or even 
other women, as as you have d- described, uh, just need to be prepared to hear those stories and not go to these kind of sexist ways that mm-hmm. we uh, we we dismiss uh, dismiss victims. And I like what you said about action. I'm I'm looking here at a uh, an article that we all read by uh, Nick Kristoff, where he was interviewing a, a number of of ladies, and I don't recall if it was. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook, but somebody basically said, you need to take action. One firing will do more than a thousand sensitivity trainings, right? Um, Real quick, speaking of Cheryl Sandberg, because I I liked her book, Lean In, but at the end, I did not like that she basically left it to the men to be the ones who would bring women Mm -hmm. up the the ladder. Mm -hmm. However, within the church at least i think that this is not something that women can fix we can we yeah. can expose the problem but men are going to have to tell men how to behave yeah. and i don't think it's going to work with women yeah. well and i think men are going to have to ask women to speak up cuz i'm not sure we're going to mm-hmm. hear from the church on this because women yeah. are going to be more afraid to speak yeah mm-hmm. so Men need to invite women to speak up. Men, I think you're right. I think you talk about a, sort of a, um, a what do you praise, what do you shame kind of mentality. Yeah. And I think you're right that amongst men, there there does need to be a sense in which uh, inappropriate treatment of anybody who you like any in, the, in any sort of a power play, whether yeah. we're talking about position, whether we're talking about uh, gender, race, anything that that's just inappropriate. That's not something we celebrate and laugh at. That's something we shame. And right. when it's shamed things begin to change. Now, as we, we start to wrap up, and I want to I want to hear from, from all three of you on this, you, you both uh, beautifully segued us into my <laughs> last question <laughs> here uh, and, and have addressed it a little bit already. But um, what, what are some, what, what kind of unique roles do men and women have to play in affecting real change when it comes to sexual harassment? Because we all have a part to play in this. Um, how, are, how are maybe the roles of men and women similar and how are they different? Hmm. I think we all need to expect something different together. So I, I was going to say this earlier. It's, instead of looking at things as either or, we mm-hmm. have to start looking at it as both and and mm-hmm. appreciating the entire spectrum of who, who we are. Um, but one of the things I think is most tangible is both expecting to sit at a table with the opposite sex and have it be a table that looks like the kingdom or mm-hmm. looks like our environment. Yeah. I've been the only woman in the room with a bunch of guys Multiple for a times. lot of years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've never considered until I got involved in some of the racial reconciliation conversations that part of the problem was me not demanding. I mean, I'll be mm-hmm. kind about it, but mm-hmm. demanding like Deborah, that there yeah. would actually be some other women at the table. Mm-hmm. And I've started to say no to invites where I get an email that is, 10 men who are going to speak and they want me to come and watch them. And I get those every single day. And Doesn't I'm that sound over it. fun? <laughs> come if, and applaud us, right. man. <laughs> if there's not as many women on that email as there are men and people of color, I'm not going to participate. Yeah. And I think we all have, we can all do things like that. Yeah, no, that's great. Good stuff. Anita, how about you? Uh, remind other, me of other the than question. other than yes, other, other than uh, yes and amen. I know that uh, um, just the roles that men and women can play oh. in in being part of the solution here. One of the things that I think is that women are going to have to start recognizing that this is actually not supposed to be normal behavior. Yeah. Okay, we all understand rape's not okay, but. Uh, so that we will actually begin to call it out. Yeah. Men are going to have to get to the point where they're going to believe women over men. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully, 
this is just overly simplistic, but hopefully we're not going to have this huge backlash with the pendulums. It can kind of come together, but really it's about, it's about respect. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Lance, how about you? What do you have to add? Um, I think that it's, it's about a a delicate partnership because the reality is uh, sexuality is a real thing Mm -hmm. and it, it can distort or it can be done right. And I think that men and women are handling it both very, very improperly. And if we don't partner together in trying to figure out how to change the conversation, because here's the deal. If you're a woman and the only way for you to get ahead is to use your sexuality and you don't have the maturity or the strength to be able to say, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of women have done that. And so it's created a a symbiotic, weird, creepy culture Mm -hmm. where everything's uh, women are saying, well, then I am sexualized. I finally got my cash. I finally got my power. Meanwhile, you messed up every other woman behind you, and yet you got all these guys going, well, she's already presented herself to me as a sex object, so I'm going to see you the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we miss, you know, we miss the fact that, that guys, have a, they handle things slightly different, and they're not mature. They're not, they're not handling it well. And so they're doing really terrible, terrible things. So if the men are not having conversations about going, guys... What in the world is wrong with you? Like, what what are you doing? <laughs> and 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 in many ways, I I hold everybody accountable for this. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I think that when men pull men aside, it's the idea of going, I don't care what that woman does when she walks into your presence. You are a man of God. That means mm-hmm. you handle things the way that Jesus would handle them. I don't care if she walks in naked into the room. You handle her like Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Well, if I'm going to talk to a bunch of women, I'm going to talk the other side. Right. Ladies, we are not walking into the lion's den covered in meat. That is a terrible idea. Let's not do that because this is brutal. These guys are not mature enough. They cannot handle things, you know. And so I just feel like in terms of having everyone partner together in these conversations of going, guys, how do we stop letting the enemy win on all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. There's a way in training maturity into men. And there's a way of training wisdom into women that is different than victim shaming and different than saying That's it's your right. fault. Like there's, there, I mean, we can do, we can do all of that and that is possible. And and I think, you know, Anita, to your point, I love what you said. It's just, it's so simple, but simple doesn't mean easy. It just comes down to respect. Right. It comes down, it comes down to respect. Um, Tammy, I love what you said. Kind of the last thing on your list, which I thought was so powerful um, and, and I would hope that any woman that would hear this would know, certainly any woman at Bridgeway uh, would know that this is absolutely our heart. And, and you said, ladies, no more silence. Bring it to light. I pray for supernatural healing for our sisters and brothers who have been silenced. Satan is the author of oppression. Amen. 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 And he's not going to win. He's not going to win. So um, thank you to both of you so much for coming on and being a part of this conversation. Thank you uh, to you as well. Lance, thank you to, for your just your leadership in the different ways that you do and just being, being a voice. Um, I know our listeners will uh, will appreciate it very much. And uh, yeah, just grateful for for your stories and for your time. Thank you to you for listening. We created this podcast to provoke conversation around really important cultural issues. So we hope that this episode has uh, served that purpose for you. Would encourage you to to get with 
others discuss this content and uh, work together in figuring out males and females how we can all be a part of the solution. Have an amazing, amazing, amazing Christmas season celebrating the birth of our Savior. We'll be back with you with the next episode of Engaging Culture the first week of the new year. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.